Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey everyone, it's Reed. Before we get started, guys, we're less than a year out, less than a year out from Election Day 2024. Please do all you can in your states, in your neighborhoods, in your communities to be involved. Guys, be your own bullhorn. Get involved with the Lincoln Project, lincolnproject.us or jointheunion.us. Go and find a campaign near your house. Run for something. Sign up to be a volunteer at a polling place. Do what you can. You don't have to do everything, gang, but you have to do that one thing. Figure out what that one thing is and go out and make it happen. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm coming to you all solo once again for another Q&A episode where I'll answer your questions. I want to thank the listeners and members of the Lincoln Project community, as always, for sending us your thoughts. Me, Rick, Stu, Joe, and everyone at the Lincoln Project love hearing from you all. And as always, if you have a question, please do not hesitate to ask. Send us your thoughts at podcast at lincolnproject.us. All right, gang, let's get to your questions. All right, let's start with the 2024 elections. John W-05 on Instagram asks, why is the media treating the 2024 election like it's just a normal D versus R race? All right, John W., here's the reason. Because they don't know how to do it differently. You would think after eight years, they would. That the idea of how to treat Donald Trump as an individual, as a candidate, as a president, as a media personality, as an authoritarian, they would have figured this out, that they would have evolved to meet the time. But they have not, because the question you have to ask yourself is, if you know one party has become fundamentally anti-democratic and everything they say is either outrageous or a lie or an outrageous lie, how do you cover that? Well, you should say this is an outrageous lie. There's also this desire to be objective, which I understand, but being objective does not mean treating, quote, both sides the same. It means being objective and saying, here's what the Democratic Party is for or Joe Biden is for. Here's what Donald Trump and the Republican Party is for and allowing the readers to make their determination, not putting your finger on the scale to say, well, you know, we have to cover everybody equally as if what they say is, you know, equivalent or legitimate. And so I think this is a problem that we have had since Trump came down the escalator. It is worse now, perhaps than ever because there's a real chance he could come back. And if Donald Trump is back in the White House, how is the media going to cover him? I think also there's a little bit of the finances of media here, right? Which is clicks mean money. Outrageousness means eyeballs. Eyeballs equal ad dollars. And a lot of these companies, whether or not it's MSNBC, CNN, even Fox News, are hemorrhaging money. Right. This is the tail end of the live television era 
streaming is taking hold, but nobody's really figured it out. And we're seeing this not just in political news, but everywhere. And so I think that the media has been transforming against its will for several years, but transforming because, you know, the waves are crashing into them, not because they've decided, okay, well, this is what the world looks like. This is how the ocean is flowing. How do I figure out how to ride those waves? So again, they don't know how to do it. They've never really understood how to do it. And I think, and I want to talk a little bit more about this in this episode, is they've never been willing or able to understand that Donald Trump is not a politician. He is the leader of an authoritarian movement. He is a demagogue. And how do you cover something that you've never seen before? Well, we've seen him for a while now, and you would think that at some point you'd figure out how to write in such a way that conveyed who and what Trump is. All right. Francine Pollard asks, how do Democrats keep the congressional dysfunction of the past couple months top of mind for voters to ensure that both the House and Senate turn blue in 2024? Well, Francine, I think that the Republicans are going to do that for us. What you're seeing with a like a speaker, Mike Johnson now, who is, you know, you could say a lot about Kevin McCarthy and I have and I will continue to do so. He was crazy because it suited him. Mike Johnson is crazy because he's crazy. And the things that he stands for are antithetical to American democracy. Remember, he was an architect of the objections to Joe Biden, but they're also antithetical to the American people. They're antithetical to what I would have considered conservatism. This is a guy who once on camera said, I do believe that government should be in people's bedrooms. That is not something Democrats believe in. That's not something independents believe in. And it's certainly something that Republicans of another time would not have wanted, right? It was government should be small and only necessary in you know certain situations, not peeking in your bedroom window. And so what I would say is this, is that you are likely to see that Republicans do a lot of the work for Democrats, but I would also say that at least in the House, Democrats need to be competent and confident. Here are the things we have done when we are in the majority that benefit you. Here are the things that have happened since these idiots took over. Make your choice. Now, the Senate is a different thing because of the way the map works, right? That, you know, a third of the Senate is up every two years. It's a very Republican heavy map. And also remember that there's a lot of small states that are up this year, the smaller states by population, I should say. They get the same number of senators as anybody else. And those tend to be certainly more conservative as, you know, independent liberal voters have moved towards the cities and rural conservative voters have stayed put. Places like Montana have stayed red, will be red. And we've seen that, you know, Wyoming, wherever it is. So I would say this is that Republicans will do the majority of the work for Democrats in the House. The Senate is going to be a tough slog all the way through. Okay. Wasim on Instagram asks, what is the best way to convince a family member or friend not to vote for a third party or spoiler candidate in 2024? Uh, put it that way. They are spoilers. A vote for any of these people, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Jill Stein, Cornell West, whoever, no labels, eventually picks Joe Manchin. These people have no chance of being president of the United States. Zero, 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 zero. They are spoilers, and a vote for them equals a vote for Donald Trump. Also, a vote for them is a wasted vote. Do you want to vote for Jill Stein, Putin's hand-picked candidate, or Cornel West, who was going to be Vladimir Putin's hand-picked candidate, because you're that mad at Joe Biden? Does that make a lot of sense? 
And so what I would say is this, Wassam, is that in American politics, the wasted vote idea is a big one for a lot of voters. Because remember, most voters have only ever had two choices, Republicans and Democrats. That's where most voters go back to. The Green Party, the Libertarians, they'll get their votes every year, but it tends to be the same number. You know, some people are really, really worried about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I think that he's one of those guys where the crazy never stays in the cage, and I wouldn't expect that it's going to stay in the cage much longer. He can't help himself. He's an anti-vax weirdo. He trades in thinly veiled anti-Semitism and anti-Asian, specifically anti-Chinese rhetoric, and he's nuts. And if his name was Bob Smith Jr., no one would care what he thought about anything. And so what I would say is this is all of these candidates, are they troubling? They could be. Are they all going to make it to the general election next year? Have a hard time believing that. It's not to say they can't get on the ballot. If they have the money and the wherewithal, they could get on enough ballots. They won't get on 270 electoral votes worth of ballots, though. I think that's the other part. So what I would say is this to your family member or your friend, where do you want the country to go for the next four years? Because none of these people are going to get you there. But the one thing these people all get you is another four years of Trump. And is that really what you want to hand down to your friends? to your kids, to your grandkids. It's certainly not what I want. Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. See and Grab on Twitter asks, regarding the current state of polls, is there an undercurrent of the, quote, quiet anti-Trump voter? I'm wondering if there are people that need to toe the family line of saying they are voting for Trump, but once they get in the booth, they vote the other way? Like a photo negative of 2016. Look, I think there could be. I think some of these right now are probably Nikki Haley fans. Maybe they are Chris Christie fans. I don't think they were Tim Scott fans because I don't think he had any fans. But I would say that there might be a few. They're probably not saying anything one way or the other. They're probably what we would call double haters, which is they don't like Biden. They really don't like Trump. So at the end of the day, they're likely to do one of two things. We even have an expression for this, see and grab, which is flip it or skip it. And these are the voters we talk to all day, every day, which is if you can't in this time say, I'm not voting for Joe Biden because I believe in a Democratic agenda or even because I particularly like him, but because I know that Donald Trump is a much worse outcome, do that, flip it. If you can't, skip it. That's what we saw in Wisconsin to the tune of about 50,000 voters in 2020, which was there were 50,000 votes available to Trump that he didn't get. That's the difference. And if those folks can't pull the lever for Biden, okay, just vote the rest of your ballot, leave it blank at the top. I know it sounds like a weird strategy, but it worked in 2020. I think for some people it worked in 2022 as well. But I think there are people are out there. I think that those quiet anti-Trump voters, I think there are more of them now than there were in 2020. But again, that's what we here at the Lincoln Project do all day, every day, is talk to those voters and ask them the question. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you want the country to be? What do you want the country to be? All right. The Nolan Vogel on Instagram asks, 
It seems like Gen Z progressives are not inclined to vote for Biden, citing his handling of Palestine. How does the Biden campaign hold on to these Gen Z votes? This is a great question. If I had to guess, and I say this not as a criticism, but an observation, is that the Biden campaign is probably over-indexing on their concern about these voters at this moment. It's not to say that they're not upset. It's that what we saw last week was that these voters came out in places like Ohio, right, on behalf of abortion rights, that they are very politically active, that they are very pro-democracy. And when the question is called to them, are you going to stay home and let Donald Trump win? Are you going to vote for some fridge candidate and let Donald Trump win? Or are you going to do what you need to do, which is vote for President Biden with all your reservations because he is the best future you can count on? Because I'll tell you this for the, our Gen Z listeners, which I'm not sure how many there are. If you care about things like reproductive rights, the environment, the economy, America's place in the world, America fulfilling its promise as a place where everyone can and should have every opportunity available to them, then Joe Biden's your guy. And if those aren't things you're worried about, then vote for Donald Trump because everything I just mentioned goes away. That's not what you're going to get. You're not going to get any of the things you want and you're going to get everything you hate. And so what I would say is this, is the Biden campaign needs to be on the straight and narrow, needs to remind these voters, A, what the Gaza Strip is really about, what Hamas is really about, what Israel is really about, and then say, that's one issue on which we disagree. But we're not talking about one issue. We're talking about the fate of the country and, frankly, the free world. All right, let's move on to Israel. Kyle Victors asks, it seems like the Israel-Hamas conflict is fracturing the Democratic Party in a big way. How does Joe Biden both continue to lead on a global stage and keep the only remaining pro-democracy party intact? Well, Kyle, that's a great question. First, the president needs your help. He needs our help. He needs the help of his supporters, of his White House, of his Democratic allies, of his campaign. They need to be on the move day in and day out, reminding the country and Democratic voters what Joe Biden stands for and what the alternative is, okay? This is a binary election. Yes, there might be other candidates as we talked about a minute ago. This is a binary election. Joe Biden is good. Donald Trump is bad. Joe Biden leads us to a new era of American democracy. Donald Trump ends it, okay? Israel and Hamas matters. It matters to millions of Americans, whether or not you are Jewish, Israeli, whether or not you believe that Palestine has legitimate grievances. I don't believe there's any legitimate grievance that allows for terrorism and butchery like we've seen from Hamas. Let me be very clear about that. And hostage taking and those sorts of things and placing your command and control facilities underneath a hospital, right? Like those are not the things that pro-democracy organizations do. That's what terrorist organizations do. We need to remind the United States what's at stake, you know, here and abroad in Ukraine, in Israel. And ultimately, the Democrats have to help Joe Biden make that case. He is single-handedly holding the world together. That's why presidents have White Houses. That's why they have campaigns. They need to step it up. I know, traditionally speaking, that Democratic political organizations don't like to spend money early. Sorry, not in a traditional time. Get out there. Get to work. Joe Biden 
is the answer to American democracy a year from now, and they need to start acting like it. Okay. Trump and his trials. Raymond Young asks, I'm seeing that Donald Trump wants his January 6th trial to be a television event, and it seems like Jack Smith is against this. I don't often agree with Trump, but I too think that Jan 6th trial should receive heavy coverage. It seems like the same logic to air the January 6th House Select Committee hearings applies here. What sells LP? I would say this. I haven't spent enough time, Raymond, thinking about it, but I would say this. I go back to nearly 100 years ago when a guy named Adolf Hitler was on trial in Bavaria for what was called the Beer Hall Putsch that took place 100 years ago when he tried to overthrow the government of, of Bavaria 10 years before he took power. And he used that trial as a place to get his message out, to grandstand, to spread National Socialist Nazi rhetoric and ideology. This is what Donald Trump wants to. He wants it to be televised, one, so that the people who are testifying are on camera and that they know they're on camera and that Trump's allies know they're on camera and people who would do bad things know they're on camera. Secondly, he wants to be sitting there like the brooding hero at the defense table. And lastly, he wants to be in the witness box doing the same thing Hitler did, which was railing against the vermin and the deep state and Jack Smith. Normally, I would agree with you, Raymond, but in this case, I think let's let a little bit of tradition hold, which is there will be plenty of heavy coverage. Don't get me wrong. There will be closed captioned televisions for overflow rooms for reporters. There will be not one second of these trials that isn't captured one way or the other. But I would say in this case, Donald Trump is a master of the television and video medium. Do not give him another opportunity to use it to his advantage. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's end here with an interesting one that Rob pulled and we were talking a little bit about before we started recording. Carol Duffin asks, in the lead up to another contentious vote about whether or not the government will shut down again, I got to thinking. If there is so much political polarity around something as simple as whether or not the government should stay open, is the answer to our country's hyperpolarity a non-political solution rather than a political one? For example, could it be something as simple as redefining literacy as a top national priority? Well, Carol, it's interesting. Literacy should always be at the top as national priorities. If you can't read, it makes it very, very difficult to do anything else. But I think your broader point is a good one, which is politics is downstream from culture. And our culture right now is very fractured. It is as fractured as our politics is. And both Tim Snyder and Ann Applebaum, two great thinkers and writers, write about this in their books. 
which is when a country can't have a common discussion, when the people can't agree on issues that are important to everyone, that is a very bad sign for American democracy. And that's where we are right now, which is we have two distinct information bubbles, one that has captured most, if not all, of the Republican Party, MAGA, whatever you want to call it, with Fox News, ONN, Right Side Broadcasting, the list goes on and on and on, and then the rest of us, which, let's be clear, there are more of us. But we can't have a common discussion about health care, about the environment, about COVID. There's nothing that we can talk about where politics has not completely invaded and intruded on the ability to have maybe not a rational conversation, but at least a reasoned conversation. Nothing. We can't even decide how to keep the government open, as you just described in your question. And so what I would say is this is, yes, I think that community is a huge thing. Getting to know the people around you, as you know, between the advent of smartphones and social media where you can live inside your house and you know still occupy another world, whether or not that was COVID that got us using things like Zoom that Rob and I are recording on right now, you know, we all need to get outside and stretch our legs and see our neighbors a little bit more. We need to go to whatever version of the town square there is in your community and see people that aren't like you, that you don't know, that maybe your kids go to school with, but you don't know their parents. This sounds silly, but it really means that if we're not willing to meet on even terms in our hometowns, how are we going to meet on even terms at the ballot box? And I think it's one of those things that gets overlooked a lot. But again, for me, I think a lot of this stuff is getting to know your neighbors, getting to know the people in your town, participating in your communities. You know, you shouldn't take for granted all the things that happen around you just because you happen to live in a house with a certain zip code. You should go out and see what's available to you. It could be running for city council. It could be volunteering at a food bank. It could be, you know, helping out on election day as a poll worker, whatever it is. As I said to some of our folks at the union, you know, be your own bullhorn. Decide on the thing that you want to do. I'm not asking you to do everything. Just find that one thing you want to do that's going to make your slice of the world better and go out and do it. One is you're going to find out it's A, not as hard as you think it is. B, it's not going to take as much time. And C, I can promise you from personal experience, you're going to get a heck of a lot more reward out of it than you could have ever imagined. All right. Listen, guys, before we go, I just want to touch on something that we're seeing really bubble to the top of American political discourse right now. Over the weekend, this past weekend, at a rally in New Hampshire on Veterans Day, and in a statement, Donald Trump referred to his opponents, among other things, as vermin. There was a lot of fascist, Nazi-esque, Mussolini-esque language and rhetoric that he started to employ. This is not an accident. Also, in the New York Times, there was a story about Trump's plans for immigration in a second term. Let's be very clear about this. It's an expansive article. We'll put it in the show notes. This was Donald Trump and his goons pitching what they want the world to look like and what they will do. And it was picked up and written extensively about in the paper of record, the New York Times. And you should read it. And anytime you see something like court case, court ruling, you know, Supreme Court, federal court, whatever it is, just assume that Stephen Miller and all these people who want to do these things, like they don't care about courts. And this goes to my larger point. We have to put the fight ahead of us in the frame in which it belongs. 
as the first question asked about Republicans versus Democrats. That's what it might look like on a ballot, but that's not what the fight is about. That's not what the fight is about. This is about playing the game we're in. Donald Trump is not a politician. He doesn't act like a politician. He is happy to be on trial, not because he's not afraid of getting convicted, which I think he is, but because it allows him to rally his base. The things that he will say and do to ramp up people who are willing to do violence on his behalf will be, at this moment in time, unimaginable. And when they happen, we'll say, how could we not see this coming? See it coming. The next part is when they tell us things, and I know you've probably heard this before, but I'm asking you to listen and take appropriate action. When authoritarians say the things they want to say about immigration, about turning the FBI and the Justice Department on their political opponents, about weaponizing you know, the National Guard on day one against protesters that will almost assuredly be on the streets if Donald Trump wins a second term, believe them. Absolutely believe them. They will do these things. And there will be very little that anybody can do to stop them. Also, these guys, when they get into power, they move fast. They move really fast. They do not allow any daylight between the moment they take power and the moment they start exerting it. They leave no vacuum for anybody else to occupy. And so we see a little bit of this already. A very conservative Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision. We have seen now women's reproductive rights taken away after 50 years. What starts with Dobbs will end with individual average Americans finding things taken away from them, okay? Whether or not it's mass deportation, as is listed in this New York Times article, whether or not it's segregated schools, whether or not it's the idea that, you know, whatever happens in the White House now determines what happens in everybody's house. You're a small business owner who said the wrong thing to the wrong person at the dinner party, and the next thing you know, guys in black gear show up and say you're being arrested for tax evasion. Like These are the things that happen, and it won't just happen to the likes of people here at the Lincoln Project, although we've been threatened our fair share, you know, all the way up to Mark Meadows and Bill Barr. It will happen to regular Americans. You know, there's an expression, I don't know who said it, you know, people want politics to leave them alone. It never does. And so I say these things, one, as a reminder that alarm bells should be ringing all over small D Democratic circles in this country. They should be ringing in big D Democratic circles all over this country. The time for saying Joe Biden is too old. I'm not happy with my choices. I wish somebody else would run. It's over. Get over it. The fight is bigger than this now. If you're going to sit home, if you're going to sit on your pocketbook, if you're not going to volunteer, if you're not going to participate because Joe Biden is 80 years old, then congratulations. You've consigned America to the dustbin of history. That will be your legacy. That will be the thing when you wake up on January 21st, 2025 and see federal troops cracking down on protesters, probably peaceful protesters. You'll be able to say, hey, congratulations, I did that. Is that what you want your legacy to be? Because it's sure as hell not what I want my legacy to be or anybody here at the Lincoln Project. And so what I would say is this, read these stories, be scared by these stories. They are scary. And then take appropriate action. Get involved. I'm telling you, this is not the time to quibble about policy issues. It is not the time to lean back on old scars 
on old fights, on longstanding rivalries. Now is the time for everybody in the pro-democracy movement, left, right, center, black, white, Latino, Asian, South Asian, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, Protestant, whatever it is, Northern, Southern, Eastern, Western, get it together, gang. This is it. We got 11 and a half months. The bad guys know what they want to do. They're telling us. They're telling us what they're going to do. Are we going to let it happen? Democracies don't just end. They end because the people who could choose to make sure they survived don't. We're better than that, and we damn well better act accordingly. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Galen, on threads and Instagram, at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP, and on Substack at the Homefront. I hope you'll follow along, read, sign up to receive it. As always, everybody, you do amazing work on our behalf, on your community's behalf, and soon on your country's behalf. Until next time, thanks so much. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, at Project Lincoln, and for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. If you want to message the podcast directly, please send an email to podcast at lincolnproject.us. And if you want to personally join the fight to save our nation's democracy, visit jointheunion.us. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.